It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. And welcome, everybody. Welcome, and um, you're yes. looking awfully festive this morning. Good morning. I always dress like this for the show. Guess okay. where I'm going afterwards? Um. I, and I can't. I find I can't uh, do have the hat and the headphones on at the same time. So those of you <laughs> no, uh, listening no. on the podcast. You should know uh, I am in full Dickensian gear this morning. He is fully regaled for entertaining uh, folks this afternoon. Yeah, the frozen robins are going out this afternoon. Right after the show, I'll be getting out of here very quickly. You'll be doing what? That. Ah. And getting out of here. And wow, have we got a show today. Oh, yeah. um, you know what? Uh, love you all out there. But I'll tell you been looking forward to taking a couple of weeks off and uh the holidays are here and i am so stoked i'm stoked to do the show and i'm stoked to get away from it for uh <laughs> for a while here um but boy if we are are we going to go out with a bang in 2021 oh, yeah. um because uh as you know this we'll, is we'll fly out the annual it's a wonderful slice of it's a wonderful life uh featuring our all-star cast and two of, uh, at least two of whom are watching right now because they've already checked in oh I'm, I'm i meant to go and say hi to everybody i uh happy holidays that's i'm sending out oh good so uh who who checked in of our all-star cast Ms. mr skeet is uh checking in and uh veronica, veronica Hinkie is in Shanahan. so that's going to happen uh in the 10 o'clock hour uh, the second hour of this program, if you're listening at a place that doesn't uh, have the hours at the same time, uh, because uh, we do send out the show to uh, a couple of stations. Uh, I was listening this morning uh, to Lumpen Radio, our our version of the show on, on Lumpen Radio. And nice. um, we're also on WRWO in Ottawa. 
uh, Illinois. We used to be on a lot more stations. Uh, that was in the radio days. <laughs> now we just well, we may still be playing on some of those stations. We don't know. We have no idea. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that's actually happening. No but, reruns. Uh, yeah. Again and again. Oh, I see. Yeah, I suppose that's a that's a that's a possibility as well. Um, but uh, in the uh, the next hour. Um, we will have it's a wonderful slice of it's a wonderful life it is my version of the holiday classic as i said in a couple of places in our social media peggy and i uh, massacre a beloved family uh film holiday film um we take the two and a actually the, the whole movie as i've said before is uh, is about eight and a half hours long um, if you've ever, especially if, if it's on a, a station that has lots of commercials, Oh yeah. Oh, you could stretch that out forever. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's a long film, really. It's about two mm-hmm. and a half. And, uh, and, and I, uh, in my infinite wisdom back when, uh, I was a young punk, uh, got a hold of the audio, uh, and edited it down to, uh, it was actually 10 minutes and 30 seconds the original version. Now the version we do because we have different people doing different voices ends up usually going somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes. This is uh, the version this year is, is 15. And I have to tell you, I think it's one of the best ever. Um, we got, everybody got into it. It was so cool. We're, we're, we're going to run it. And then, and, and then when we finish it, we'll take a, a short break and then we'll come back and we'll critique it. Um, um, but I, I do, yeah, I kind of, I agree. And I like it a little bit slower, like we did it this year. Especially it, because we're doing it with Zoom. Yeah. You were able yeah. to hear everybody. Yeah, it's, it, and, and, and you need to know that, that it's recorded. So we're not doing it live here. We did this a few well, days we'll ago. We'll be drinking coffee while that's happening. Oh, I, I might, yeah, yeah. Something like you that. You might be drinking eggnog. I might be drinking. <laughs> I, I don't have any eggnog here, so I have to get some. But, um yeah, that will air. And uh, then, like I say, we'll come back and we'll do some more fun stuff at the end of the show. Uh, Mr. DeMaio has already started his holiday break, so uh, he's not here with us today. He's off visiting his parents for the holidays. Yep. yep. And um, uh, so uh, I just want to say that we, our all-star cast includes Melinda Myers, uh, who is a nationally known garden expert. And uh, as, as as we mentioned because uh, in this program today, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. The sublime is the first hour with S- Cindy Crosby. We'll, we'll talk about her in just a second. Uh, but uh, our cast includes Melinda Myers, uh, Ron Calgill from Mighty House Home Improvement Show, Veronica Hinkey, Public Affairs Officer at the USDA Forest Service at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie, Lisa Albrecht, owner and founder of Albright Solar, She's also a member of the Illinois Solar Energy Association. Um, Mr. Skeet himself, um, sometimes MD Skeet, mostly to us just Skeet, who is a uh, ISA certified arborist and uh, arborist representative of Bartlett Tree Experts, which is, uh, uh, yeah, they definitely get a ding here. And of course, Peggy and me. And uh, we will do the whole thing in about 15 minutes. So we hope you tune in for that. Before we get to that, however, oh, and then as I said, in the after that, actually, the, I hope you stick around after that because there's going to be some fun stuff. We've I've got some other goofy stuff that we're gonna 
do and play. Goofy. Goofy. Us. Us. us? Goofy. Who? Um, and that will happen later on. Before we get to all that, um, I am so honored to uh, be able to bring to the show. Uh, well, let's just do that. Let's just mm -hmm. let's just bring her in right this second, and that is Cindy Crosby. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how you doing this morning? Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi, Peggy. Good morning. Uh, my first question about Cindy is how come I didn't know about you until uh, a couple of months ago? That's what I, I don't understand. Um, that's just weird because uh, everybody who finds out that you're, you're going to be on the show is like, wow, she's great. You oh, it's going to be such a good show. And uh, uh, Cindy is an author and a lecturer and um, uh, a naturalist. Um, you, you do it all. Steward. Prairie steward. Um, has Photographer, artist, writer. Contributed to more than 20 books. Uh, Baker. Candlestick maker. Um, <laughs> no, she bakes. You should see her Facebook page. Really, seriously. Really? Really? Yeah. Too much baking. Too much baking right yeah. now, Peggy. Uh, uh, and uh, the author of this book, this is one of the books we're talking about this morning. And, the author uh, of this book. And, the auth and, and involved in this book as well. So, um, and many and, oh, more. <clears throat> and I should mention... The names of those books for those people listening on the podcast, Chasing Dragonflies, A Natural, Cultural, and Personal History, uh, The Tall Grass Prairie, An Introduction, and Tall Grass Conversations in Search of the Prairie Spirit. That's done with Thomas Dean. Um, and wow. And I, and I have to say something at the get-go, um, Cindy. You uh, write like an angel. You are just so good. It is so easy. If folks, this, okay, we're talking holiday. Pick up a copy of this book, Chasing Dragonflies. Go to uh, cindycrosby.com um, and, uh, and get yourself a copy and you won't be able to put it down. Uh, and you're going to say, what? Dragonflies? What are you, what are you talking about? Well, uh, I'm talking about a woman who's a, an excellent writer and who has a sense of perspective uh, of, of, about the world and the world we live in um, and and the role that insects play in it and specifically odinates because that's what we call dragonflies and damselflies and may, a lot of you may, may, maybe have never heard that word um, and it has nothing to do with Thor uh, uh, or Norse gods <laughs> you get it Cindy thank you thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks. It's like somebody gets my humor. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, we, we were going through the long list of what Cindy does. Uh, Kathy Street just posted as well. Cindy does an amazing blog every Tuesday that you can get in your inbox or get online. Yeah, put the link to that. Uh, uh, well, you've got Cindy Crosby up, uh, dot com up yeah. there already. And, and you if you go there right on the home page, you can connect to uh, Cindy's uh, blog post, uh, which is is also really, really wonderful. Um, and so today, we're not going to talk just about dragonflies. Uh, we're going to talk about 
going out into the wild and uh, into a natural area and, 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 and what that means uh, for one's sanity in, uh, in a world where uh, yeah. we're still in a, a Chicago winter. <laughs> well, in a pandemic Chicago winter. And, um, and given that uh, there's all kinds of news uh, coming out, uh, Peggy and I were just talking last night about um, uh, the headline uh, and the story that uh, Patty Wetley has yeah. written Can for. Can I read the headline here? Go ahead. Rockford Airport sues to dismiss lawsuit halting destruction of Belleville Prairie. It's so sad. And um, the Rockford Airport people um, are playing hardball. Um, they're, they've decided that um, we don't care. Basically, is sort of their uh, their attitude. We don't care. We do not care that there's a remnant prairie there. We do not care that there's biology that you might not see anywhere else in the state, perhaps anywhere else in the Midwest. We don't care. We're going to take our bulldozers, and we're going to do whatever the, we want to do, and you can't stop us. And if you try exactly. to stop... We might do more. Yeah. Um, and and, and this, is, this is not new, their attitude. This has been their attitude from the get-go. Yeah. We've covered this on this show. Um, and, um, I'm, I know we're getting into it right now, but it's, 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 it's important. Um, and Cindy, I'm sure you have a few words, uh, ab ab about yeah. this. I mean, what, what does this, have you been to Bell Bowl Prairie? I have been outside the fence just since it started, but I'll tell you, um, it's hard to get people excited about the words dry gravel hill prairie, right? It's not like the Rocky Mountains. It's not like uh, Niagara Falls where you go and you go, wow, look at that. But in fact, um, Joni Mitchell, for those of you old rockers like me, saying, um, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And folks, we are the prairie state. We are Illinois, the prairie state, and we have almost nothing of our original prairie left. And you might say, well, hey, the Forest Preserve has all these big prairies, you know, but those are planted prairies and they're great. And they're great for pollinators. They're great for us who are learning about prairie, but they are not remnant prairie. And it's estimated we only have, I think the Illinois um, History Survey said we only have a little over 2000 acres of original high quality prairie remnant. So prairie that has never been plowed. Um, this is the prairie that was here thousands of years ago. Uh, and boy, when it's gone, it's gone. You don't have it anymore. And right. all the information is, is gone. So, you know, I could get really worked up about this. I have been really worked up about mm -hmm. this, Mike and Peggy, but it's because, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It does. And why does it matter? Because um, Aldo Leopold talked about saving all the parts. You know, we got to save all the parts of nature because down the road, we, we may need those parts for people. And it's unfortunate that this really special place is in the middle of an airport, but the airport's been proud of it in the past, um, you know, and it, 
it, it is it is sad and it makes me angry and I'm grateful for all the folks like you and Peggy and so many people that are working hard for Belleville Prairie. I'm learning a lot from them. I don't consider myself a big activist, but you cannot help but speak out if you love Illinois and you love our historical landscape. Yeah, and if you want more information, you should go to savebellbowlprairie.org. They have uh, all the information. I'll put it up in a moment. Yeah, um, and so that 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 is discouraging uh, to see then, that, but not well, surprising. Discouraging, but not surprising at all. Um, so, uh, if I could bridge into Cindy's book just a little bit, we're going to. Because, that's that's the whole I, point. Yeah, but I I think. Part of the, like you said, people don't go, oh, it's Niagara Falls, it's whatever. I, I'm, there's a quote out of the back of your book. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. And even if it isn't Niagara Falls, people get excited. People don't realize it's there till someone who's passionate like you tells someone else. And I think that's kind of what's been happening with Bell Bowl, too. Yeah. One of, one of the reasons I, I wrote um, The Tall Grass Prairie, an introduction, is exactly for those people who, you know, maybe have lived in Illinois all their lives. I've been here 23 years. When I came here, I had no idea what a prairie was, except when I was a kid and we drove through it on our way to the Rocky Mountains. And I was like, wow, will this boring landscape never end, you know? Um, <laughs> You know, prairie is really about a relationship. It's about taking time to learn um, the nuance of a landscape. And um, the introduction, the tall grass prairie and introduction, my hope was to reach people who looked around at a prairie and just said, you know, I don't really get this. What is this? Um, and, you know, there's no jargon. There's no technical I mean, it's really a beginner's guide, and mm -hmm. I um, I was a beginner when I came to Prairie 23 years ago, and I'm still learning from it every time I go out on a hike. There's always something new to see, always a lot of stuff I don't know, especially in the winter, and I get to go home and find out about, and a lot of really wonderful people in Illinois who um, mentor us and who have dedicated their lives to helping us know about this important landscape. And we're, that's just part of what we're talking about this morning. Um, you're welcome to talk about tall grass prairies uh, anytime uh, you want. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, chasing dragonflies because um, the book is very personal. It's not, uh, as you were explaining to our friend Mac Austin, uh, she's a master naturalist. She's going to be with us in the second half hour. Um, uh, it is not a guide. It's not a field guide. Uh, it's it's more your observations. And there's a lot of good information. And, and it, it, you're going to learn about dragonflies um, in a very um, uh, not painful way. It, you know, you don't have to <laughs> slog through um, uh, descriptions. It's, it's, it's your impressions, yeah. but you have the information there so people understand what this insect is and, 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 and why it might be important. And I just want to mention it also has beautiful illustrations by Peggy McNamara, who we had on the show about three or four years ago from the Field Museum, an illustrator. Right. Was she, do you remember which book it was? Was it? A, uh, it was a, with birds. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, yeah. Okay. So she gets a, she gets a ding there. Um, I want to show you a, a picture. I, 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 
I found this last night. Uh, I did. I did not have this here. I didn't know I had it. Still had it. Uh, and I found this. And this is a photo I took in my yard about 15 years ago. All right. Um, oh, beautiful. And I couldn't believe this. This was on, as you can see, it's on a clematis. Um, and it's a dragonfly. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is the most incredible insect I have ever seen. And then I found out it's actually very common. And I was mm -hmm. kind of disappointed. I went, why is it beautiful? It can't <laughs> be that common. How could something that beautiful be that common? Uh, would you like to tell us what we're looking at, Cindy? Sure. Well, you know, the problem with common names, this is the common green darner uh, in X Junius. And, you know, when you hear the word common green darner, it's like, ah, oh, gee, I thought it was something <laughs> special. But this is one of the most special dragonflies in Illinois. And I love it for a couple of reasons, Mike and Peggy. One is, I mean, look at that. And is they're, that they're not big? They're yes, big. They're, they're not little ones. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it, that was the thing. It, it was huge enough for me to see, and then it perched uh, as if posing for this photo, um, and it looks like it's got a third eye at the top of it, its head, like it's uh, some sort of mystical creature. <laughs> it is a mystical creature. Yes. It um, it's amazing um, to think of the common green darner because it's one of our migratory dragonflies in Illinois and. A lot of folks don't know that we have several species of dragonflies that are going to migrate in the fall, usually in large swarms, hundreds and hundreds of dragonflies moving together uh, down the shoreline of Lake Michigan, across the prairies. Um, I see the big swarms. I see them crossing, you know, the interstate sometimes. It's super cool. They show up on radar when you see the birding radar. And uh, they are headed south. And, you know, we know a lot about monarch butterflies and their migration because of citizen scientists. Oh, I'm so glad you're putting the video up. This is from the Schulenberg Prairie at the Morton Arboretum. And this is in late August of one year. You can see there are hundreds. These are almost all green garners and hundreds of them um, gathering in a big swarm, moving uh, south and migration is one of those big mysteries that we still don't know a lot about. So that's um, that's one of the things that fascinates me about dragonflies is there's a lot we don't know. It's kind of where the yeah. monarch butterfly work was 50 years ago, you know, where citizen scientists uh, like myself and uh, my dragonfly monitors and uh, Mac, who's coming on in a little bit. That's what we do uh, because we don't know and we want to know more. Yeah, I first uh, learned about this. We learned about this on our show when we had Doug Tarrant mm -hmm. on uh, oh, fr from the Chicago yeah. Academy of Sciences and uh, Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. And he said that. He said, you know, the uh, uh, dragonflies, some dragonflies... Um, migrate, but we don't know where they end up. We've we've never discovered that, and uh, we, that's pretty amazing. Considering they're probably, although I, I don't know if we know this for sure, you know, because the the one generation of monarchs can live several months, so they can make the the journey and 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 procreate and uh, and start another generation. But dragonflies have very short lives, don't they? 
very short. Their lives are mostly lived under the water, which is why I love to think about them in the wintertime. So right now, when you walk by a pond or a lake or a stream, I mean, it's full of dragonflies and damselflies, um, but they are under the surface of the water in a completely different form. Mm -hmm. And they can live there for up to, um, in some parts of the world, up to eight years in what's called the nymph stage. So... Super cool. And Doug Taran actually coordinates all the data for Illinois uh, mm -hmm. Dragonfly Monitors. And uh, he's, he's a fabulous person. I'm so glad. Speaking of the nymph stage, that's what, it, that's what it looks like. Okay. And um, as you describe in your book, Chasing Dragonflies, they're ferocious. You don't think, you think of a, a dragonfly as ethereal in some ways, and some of them really are, uh, but they're tough. But in the nymph stage, they're really um, uh, remarkably ferocious, aren't they? Yeah. Well, if you look back in history, a favorite emblem of the um, samurai uh, on their helmets, their war helmets, was the dragonfly. Uh, they called it Kachimushi, the victorious insect, because it's such a ferocious predator in the air, but like you said, um, Mike, it's got nothing on this nymph stage where um, they are the terror of every waterway that they live in. They have a, a hinged jaw that can shoot out and capture um, anything from small fish to you know anything aquatic that's floating around in the water that they think looks good for dinner, to eating other dragonfly nymphs and damselfly nymphs. Um, plus, uh, they, they're just so cool at this stage because um, they are, well, let's see how I can say it. Uh, they propel themselves around by blowing air out of their butt, we will say. <laughs> and, 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 and if you want to ever um, interest kids in dragonflies, this is a great entree <laughs> because they're like they do what you know and so they're just shooting around you know on the bottom of the, the no pun intended on the bottom of these streams and um this you know being propelled and shooting out this jaw to catch um things to eat. it's just it's just really amazing and all this is going on you know and we don't even really see it and as you mentioned in the and i love that part the idea of propelling themselves by shooting water out of their butts. Um, that is worth the price of admission right there. Okay. Um, but you mentioned that some of them, um, you know, you talk about the, how long they live as adults. It's maybe a month is what, is what you say. Um, yeah. if, if they're not eaten by a frog or a bird or something else out there or another dragonfly. Um, but, um, uh, in the nymph stage, some of them can survive for, what, seven years? Yeah, quite a long time, um, especially in different regions of the world. So, again, that's that's an area that's being studied because, um, you know, it's different for every species. Uh, some, uh, you know, come, yeah, it's just there's a lot of variety, a lot of diversity, and it's one of the things that fascinates me so much about dragonflies is there's always this cool stuff that we're learning about them. Like uh, the dragonfly is still kind of a mysterious insect. And um, 
you know, the more we learn, the more there is to know. Oh, this is, yeah, I'm so glad you have the ebony jewel wings. These are, these are some of my favorite drag, or damselflies. These are, these are actually damselflies. So dragonflies and damselflies are kind of kissing cousins. And they're making the heart or the wheel. They're, they're, the making, wheel. they're making whoopee is what they're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, we always call it making the heart. But um, these are really interesting damselfly. Uh, Marla Garrison, um, who wrote Field Guides to Damselflies of the Chicago region um, or the Chicago area, and she talks about the courtship that this species has. So the male is the one um, on the right, and then the female has the little, looks like white out on her wings, if you remember white out. And they um, the male has like stroked those little hairs you see on her legs uh, so she didn't shave her legs for this and, <laughs> and that's that's because um you know that's part of their courtship ritual uh, marla taught me and she also told me that um the male then will like fly up and down the stream kind of saying like look isn't this a great place for you to lay your eggs and then if she agrees i mean he grabs her you can see how he's kind of got her we'll call it the neck it's really behind the eyes there he's grabbed her and if she's receptive she curls her abdomen right up there until it touches right between segment two and three and this this is really strange i mean this is really unusual in the natural world to have a reproductive strategy where you know they're connected in two places these are spring water dancers and this is from the chusa grasslands where i'm also a volunteer out by Dixon, Illinois. And you may have heard of Nuchusa um, because they have a herd of about 125 bison, 4,000 acres of uh, prairie, woodland, and other great natural areas, and um, some remnant prairie. We were talking about that original prairie in, in um, a little earlier. So um, Springwater dancers are something that are, you know, I didn't know what they were the first time I saw them. Cause look how blue the male is. Can you, I mean, wow, it's just this really bright blue. And then the female kind of like in the birding world, sometimes the females um, are a different color. Sometimes they're the same color and look the same. But um, another thing um, you might notice is that kind of Mardi Gras mask in the middle of the eyes. Um, Marla Garrison calls that the Mardi Gras mask. And I love that term. <laughs> That's one of the ways you can idea. And it is a little bit like Mardi Gras, right? You know, it just all, all this yeah. display everywhere. If you go to a um, creek in the summer or a pond or a lake, you're going to see this. You're going to see this wheel. And there's the heart again, the, the heart shape. There's the heart again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they can stay in this position, um, you know, for like depending on the species up to an hour or even a little longer. And they can wow. fly around the little hearts flying around so it's 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 fascinating stuff and you can spend a whole day in the summer just sitting by a creek and just seeing what happens uh, and, uh, we we need to break quickly here but um uh let me ask you one quick question because i'll forget to ask it later you talk about uh seeing dragonflies in the prairie uh but also by water can't do do they they have to have a water source nearby i would assume 
They do, but you will see them in your backyard. Even if you don't have a water source, you will see them, I think up to, you know, maybe three miles away from the water source. It's when they um, are ready to lay eggs and reproduce, um, then they have to have that water source. Yeah. Okay. All right. We need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have our friend Mac Austin join us as well, because she's also an Odinate chaser. Um, Again, no relation to Norse mythology. All right. It's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. That's Cindy Crosby. Go to cindycrosby.com to uh, get more information and see about her books and and her uh, her wonderful writing. Uh, We'll be right back and we hope you're part of the conversation. From spring seed and soil treatments to summer foliar feeding to fall stubble digesters, Blazing Star provides microbial tools from Tinyo Biologicals for natural and organic farmers. They have solutions for home gardeners too. And Blazing Star also offers agroecological education and consulting, especially for permaculture work in zones four and five. Learn more about these great folks and great techniques at blazing-star.com. Hi, I'm Matt Borden. I'm one of the plant pathologists here at the Bartlett Arboretum in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we're thankful this week for the gorgeous show that our Camellia sasanquas are are putting on for us right now. This is one of two Camellia species commonly planted in the landscape as ornamentals, along with Camellia japonica. But the Camellia sasanquas bloom earlier in the season. In fact, these started around mid-October and they are still going strong. So we're really grateful for the amazing display of color and different flower shapes and sizes that our Sasenqua collection is putting on for us. And these are really beautiful, tough, broadleaf evergreens in the landscape if you put them in the right location. Every day I'm out here and I'm just so thankful for the colors, different forms, and stunning display that's going on right now when not, not a whole lot else in the landscape is blooming. Once upon a time in a place called Mzansi, the people love driving cars everywhere. They use lots and lots of electricity and chop down many trees for firewood. And then a very strange thing happened. The weather began to change. In some places there were droughts where before there was rain. In other places, the rivers flooded. The grown-ups realized they were contributing to the strange weather. They discovered if they used clean energy and less electricity, they could save Mzansi for their children. What happened then? How the story unfolds is up to each and every one of us. Switch off, recycle, change. Help save tomorrow, today. That's a great story. Um, That's a great story. That's a great ad. Uh, yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And as you can see in the lower right corner there, we have Mac Austin. Um, and Peggy's waving at you. <laughs> oh, your mic. Is your mic not on? What happened here? Okay. Well, how about that? All right. I can fix that. Just like, yeah, nope. Your, your audio's on, Peggy. It's on. 
I don't know why. Uh, I'll turn it off and turn it back on. Now try. This happened the other day, I think, where um, it uh, it went off. But um, it's the audio says it's it's on here, Peggy. Um, so um, I'm not sure. Oh, no. uh, well, just keep trying. I maybe turn yours off and on and see what happens on your end there. Um, as you can see, our friend uh, Mac Austin is here. She is a, uh, the senior amateur nature correspondent for the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Um, and uh, we say that because she's out there in nature as well. She's actually a master naturalist, um, a, a longtime friend, um, and um, has been taking a lot of photos that we've been posting on the Instagram um, page, uh, and, um, and which is actually kind of where we, um, got to know you, Cindy. Uh, let's hope, uh, is your mic on Cindy? Uh, are you, uh, there? I believe so. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. You're there. I don't can, know can why. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can. Okay. Well, I, I literally just left vMix and came back. Wow. <laughs> well, that okay. explains why I've been trying to ask questions for the last 10 minutes and, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Obviously, uh, we, we that, lost your audio there. So yeah. Well, I was going to ask Cindy before we start chatting with Mac for our viewers, real quick. What's the difference between a dragonfly and a damselfly? What a great question! And you know, it's probably the most common question I get when I give programs or teach classes on dragonflies. But um, just a couple of quick tips if you're trying to tell them apart, and Mac probably knows all this as well. Um, dragonflies have eyes that touch or almost touch. Uh, damselflies have eyes like a shark. So they're like set on the side of the head. And there are some exceptions, because it's science, right? There's an exception to everything, <laughs> but that's a pretty good guide. And then if you see something that looks like a dragonfly or damselfly, and the wings are, you gotta see, I gotta use my arms. Wings are out like an airplane. That's a dragonfly. Wings folded like behind. They, oh, beautiful. Yes, I love that. Or um, here we go on my mug. <laughs> uh, wings behind, kind of like a yoga position and folded together. That would be a damselfly. And like, um, the photos Mike was showing where the wings were back. Yes, so the spring water dancers and the ebony jewel wings, both damselflies. And then, um, Something to keep in mind, too. I mean, a lot of dragonflies. So dragonfly looks like an airplane, right? Look at that chunky abdomen. So dragonflies and damselflies both have um, segments there, and uh, one to ten, so ten segments. And the dragonfly's abdomen, and that's the part a lot of people call a tail, is going to be a little chunkier than a damselfly. Damselflies tend to uh, have abdomens that are very thin and um, and look more, we'll say, like a needle, uh, very skinny. So, And there's a lot of lookalikes, too. People are send me pictures a lot of times, and they'll say, is this a dragonfly, or what kind is it? And, you know, it's another insect altogether. But you can usually tell by that segmented abdomen um, whether it is an odinate. All right. We've learned a, a lot about that. And I just got a, uh, a text from our friend uh, Kaida Mohammed, um, who is uh, uh, doing some beekeeping on the south side of Chicago. And happy holidays to you, Kaida. Um, and she says, uh, dragonflies love queen bees. If the queen doesn't return from a mating flight, 
she may have been eaten by a bird or dragonfly. Are you familiar with that, Cindy? No. Well, you know, and one of the horrifying things uh, for garden clubs that I talk to is when they they ask if dragonflies and damselflies are pollinators. And I, ha I always say, no, they are not pollinators. In fact, they are probably eating your pollinators. Yikes. And They're anti-pollinators. <laughs> you know, it's critical to remember they are an important dragonflies and damselflies are also eating mosquitoes and lots and lots of mosquitoes and mosquito larvae and boy i hate mosquitoes I, and mosquitoes are pollinators but we're not planting mosquito way stations like the monarch way stations yeah. trying to <laughs> so and, you know just and right now pollinator is a very um, pollinators have great publicity. Um, they have great press agents yep. and pollinators are critical to our environment, but they are not the be all end all. No pun intended again with the be all. Well, but, but yeah, every, every we, insect has got a place here and they're all performing different roles. And even just the, the idea, the idea that a dragonfly is food for birds is, is important and food for other um, animals. Um, yeah, you're right. You can't say we have to exclude everything that's not a pollinator. That's, that's, that's not practical. That's, that's crazy. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the real world is a lot tougher than you think. Oh yeah. Look at wasps. Wasps are actually excellent pollinators, but it's hard to get people excited. Heather Holmes done a great job getting people excited about them. But I mean, there's all these insects that play critical roles in our natural areas. And um, what I love about the focus on pollinators is people are interested in insects. And so from that, you hope the natural outflow or ripple effect is going to be understanding um, all these non-pollinator insects that still have important roles to play. So let's talk a little bit about, about going out there and, and observing. And that's kind of why Mac is here. Um, she, uh, she's like you in a lot of ways, Cindy, in that she's decided in mid midlife that she wants to do something different. You know, um, you're Mac was in uh, theater like I was back in the day. Um, she's done educational writing and now she's decided, well, I'm going to become a mat master naturalist. And, um, and, and, and you're studying, um, she's went back to school. She's going to get her degree in what, what's it, what's it, what's it going to be in Mac? Well, it, environmental studies. Okay. It's so, sort of the degree, but it has to have a different name because I'm old and weird. So it's called <laughs> interdisciplinary studies. <laughs> ah, I see. And, and Cindy's the same way. You were a journalist. You've done, you ran a bookstore yourself. Um, what is this called <laughs> to go out and, and explore nature? Uh, because what it means uh, to both of you is slogging uh, around in prairies and in marshy areas and, um, you know, as, um, and, and hunting for odinates. Um, and uh, tell us a Searching little bit. for odinates. Um, searching. Okay. Uh, okay. Searching. Sorry. Searching for, or I say stalking Odinates. Um, uh, Mac, what's that like? It's, it's incre an incredible amount of fun. It's really fun. 
Uh, and basically what, what you do is you're given a site if you're an Odinate monitor and you walk that site with a partner um, at a steady pace. You aren't allowed to stop and watch because they, it's, it's all science um, and they want something steady and the same and replicable. And then you note all the different um, Odinates, dragon and damselflies that you see. And so my site is Emily Oaks Nature Center. And um, it's a lovely nature center out in Skokie, very small with a lovely pond. And we walk through on a tiny path through the, you know, under, underbrush basically next to the pond. And I look for Odinates and my partner follows behind me and marks them down. And half the, I'd say more than half the time, I can't tell which Odinate it is because <laughs> They're really hard to identify, <laughs> but you, you, you look at nature differently when you're, uh, and, and that's one of the things about monitoring that I so love is that it makes me experience nature differently. You're going mm -hmm. from the very, very tiny um, out back and you're shifting your perspective constantly. The, 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 the walk can be exhausting, not because it's long, but because of the way you're paying attention. And I just, I love that and I, and I love Odinates. I think they're incredibly cool and sort of magical and the word Odinate is fun. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Cindy, as you point out in your book, Chasing Dragonflies, A uh, Natural, Cultural, and Personal History, it's really hard to identify dragonflies when they're, when they're, when they're buzzing around. Absolutely. And a, a lot of people get started and, you know, want to become monitors. And then when they see what the learning curve is that first year, like it was, you know, for me that first year and second year, uh, they get a little discouraged. We have just under a hundred species of dragonflies here in Illinois and about just right around 50 damselfly species so really it's not that much birders will be like oh you know that's that's, that's easy but the females <laughs> look different often than the males and uh the little you know teenage dragonflies and damselflies may look a little different than the adults so so it can actually be a little more than that plus they're fast right they mac probably can attest to this you know you you see them zip by and you're like what was that what was so that? Yeah. It takes a little while to get, um, and I have a chapter in the book that's all about this um, this thing, where it takes a while to get your dragonfly eyes, your Odinate eyes mm -hmm. on. And part of that is just learning to be quiet, learning to be patient, learning to pay attention. And you will be astonished at what you see. And not only do you see all these new creatures, all these new Odinates, but you also see so many other things in the natural world. Yeah, yeah. Other things you, yeah. You, you'll see by accident while just being quiet. And, yeah. you know, we live in a world where we're just terrified of silence. Um, you know, you walk into a restaurant, it's got to have the TV on or music blaring or a, a, mm -hmm. a store has got to have music in the piped in in the background. We just cannot deal with silence. And that's got to be a different frame of mind as well. When you're yeah. out there, uh, you're hearing different things. It's not it's not the music and it's not the craziness uh, you write in your book, by the way, um, uh, uh, Cindy, that uh, 
at this writing, there are an estimated 3,109 dragonfly species um, and 3,212 damselfly species known to us worldwide. That's just about 6,300 odes to keep track of. It's not a lot compared with insects like butterflies, which are thought to have about 20,000 species, even birds which are estimated at just under 10,000 species worldwide, have those odd numbers beat. Um, but there are plenty of dragonfly and damselfly species to wrap our minds around. Uh, especially, Absolutely. Yeah, especially when it's, it's hard to even tell what you're seeing uh, yeah. on any given day. How many in Illinois? Um, so just about 100 dragonfly species and about 50 damselfly species. And here where we are in the Chicago region, um, you know, we get some of the northern species. This year I saw um, two species. Yeah, I've been monitoring for almost, oh gosh, um, since 2005. So what is that, like 18 years? But I saw um, two species I'd never seen before. And I think as climate change happens, as the world changes, we're going to be seeing, you know, those numbers fluctuate quite a bit. And it's important to remember birds have been really well studied. Butterflies have been really well studied, but dragonflies not so much. So just in one year, I think it was 2016, 17, I mean, they found 80 new species in Africa of uh, Odinum. So, I mean, there's all these new species we don't even know about. Uh, yeah, as so you mentioned. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, if you just take into account islands around the world where probably these have not been identified at this point, um, and 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 why is that? Why you know, given that uh, dragonfly, I've always thought uh, dragonflies are a sign of good luck. When I see a dragonfly, I think that's good luck. Um, but so and and given the the cultural significance of dragonflies, as you alluded to earlier, why do you think they haven't been studied as much? Well, you know, it's so interesting you mentioned good luck, because that's certainly true in some parts of the world. They also have, there's a chapter about um, the cultural history of dragonflies, right. and some good books, too, that have been written, um, you know, big volumes about cultural history of dragonflies. But those sharp-looking abdomens, that's that tail that people call the tail, um, it's not hard to see why some people are very afraid of dragonflies. They think they're going to get stung. Mm -hmm. um, they think the dragonflies mm -hmm. will sting you because they think it's a stinger. And the French call dragonflies the devil's agent. Um, in Romania, it's called the devil's riding horse. And my favorite, the Germans, uh, say call uh, dragonflies the devil's bride. And my very favorite, the devil's grandmother. <laughs> so the devil's grandmother. So, so there is, despite you know seeing them as good luck, um, I know so many people I meet, um, there is a chapter in the book called The Girl with the Dragonfly Tattoo. So many people I meet have a dragonfly tattoo. Um, so there's that symbolism um, to a lot of people. Uh, usually when they've lost someone, a loved one, they'll get a dragonfly tattoo and they'll tell me about dragonflies they see like at the same time every year. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, it's so interesting to me 
that they have that kind of connection with the dragonfly, um, you know, whereas um, researchers have a different connection and, um, you know, Mac and I have a different connection going out and chasing them. But it's really interesting that people have all these different associations from dragonflies being the most beautiful, good luck thing you could ever mm-hmm. want to see to, you know, oh, this is a connection with someone I lost to, um, ah, you know, the devil's grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also, I had no idea that they were considered negative by anybody. You know, they've always oh, seemed yeah. benign and beautiful mm. to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Mac. That has always been my observation is that dragonflies do not come at you. They're, they're going to just, they might, they might not run away. Um, or they might, you know, um, it, it, try to get a photograph of one and it's flitting yeah. around. Or especially a damselfly. They, they don't sit still long enough. Uh, and yeah. uh, but so but I've never feared dragonflies. Uh, and, and it's interesting. Well, but I think I would like to get folks out of the mindset that insects are icky. OK, and yeah. that tool, you know, even butterflies to some people, I think. Uh, are icky yeah. um but butterflies are the least icky of the insects but to to a lot of people anything other than a butterfly it's like nah i'm, I'm really not interested yeah. in this and i think we need to have people like you cindy and mac on the show to convince people that th- these are important insects these are the linchpins there, there's so much more insect mass on the planet than any other being um, we can't afford to be losing them. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, it's, it's hard to tell if there's that insect, uh, uh, in again, yeah, insect again, or whatever they're, they're calling it. Um, but it, it, there, there are indications that we're losing, uh, biomass, insect biomass, and that's not a good thing. The uh, New York Times Magazine had a great piece called uh, The Insect Apocalypse is Here. Boy, doesn't, isn't that a downner for the holiday season? Sure. It's, it's, <laughs> Don't worry. We're, we'll, we'll Matt, co- we're not hearing you very well. Oh, sorry. Okay. All right, um, now you're well, there. It's just, it, it, it was, I was thinking about this also when you were talking earlier about the Belleville Prairie and um, pollinators and, you know, the the um, wonderful woman on the south side who does bees and things like that. And I think that it's something that's come up with Belleville Prairie and come up on this show a lot is we've got to start thinking in ecosystems rather than in species. Because the ecosystem, ecosystems are so complex. Webs are so complex. We can't think of one. We can't have a favorite being in an ecosystem or in a web they all need each other and it's all more complicated than we realize we're beginners at this study of the natural world and i'm really a beginner but even the scientists and that's something that the naturalists over the centuries that's the great naturalists have all said this we it's it's complicated it's interlinked and so i think if we look at protecting ecosystems yeah, you know, rather than a given species, and, and that and, just really captures my imagination. Yeah, and and you look at the again referring to Bell Bowl Prairie. Some people have said, "Well, we'll we'll find the insects, we'll dig up the plants, and we'll move them." Um, yeah. that is, I know you're you're wincing, Cindy, because it is so uh, anti-science. It 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 
you it shows you do not understand what an ecosystem is. It's like taking a giraffe and putting it in a zoo in St. Louis and saying, "See, it's doing fine." That, that's uh, no, it might be alive, but it's not part of uh, an ecosystem. Um, it is something else altogether, and you, you don't get that back if once you destroy it. Uh, which takes us to we've got like five minutes here, um, and one of the things, Cindy, you want to talk about. Um, is getting out into nature in the winter and and why that is important. Uh, yeah, and and um, I'm sure Mac, you'll you'll be doing that because you're going to continue to do uh, your observations. Um, obviously, you're not going to see odonates uh, over the winter here. Uh, but Cindy, Without appreciating everything else. Uh, Cindy, what you wrote about that on your blog just the other week? Yeah, um, you know. This is kind of the fourth season for a lot of people on the prairie where, um, you know, they don't get out and go for a walk because it's cold and, you know, maybe it's gray outside and, you know, seasonal, um, seasonal affective disorder, you know, you're like, oh, I just want to stay in uh, with my hot drink and uh, cuddle under this afghan. But look at the colors out there on the tall grass prairie. Oh, it looks different this year at, at this time of year than any other time of the year. And the structures of the seed heads, like this wild bergamot, where you can really pay attention to the structure of a plant. And there's not a lot of, um, you know, flying critters out, so you don't have all these distractions. You can really focus on um, the architecture of the prairie and the way plants are formed. You can see the sky, the sky looks different in the winter, I think, than at any other time of the year. There's that blue kind of scoured look, you know, the way when it does snow, we haven't had any snow here yet to speak of it, the way the snow kind of casts all these blue shadows of the tall grass prairie plants. And you you can use your imagination also when you see tracks like these squirrel tracks of who's out there. There's all these clues and you can, um, there's a program I do for groups called um, Winter Prairie Wonders. We've been doing it a lot this month. But I mean, how fun is it to see these tracks and to learn, you know, which animals made them? How wonderful is it to see the way ice forms on a compass plant leaf? like in this photo here, and to really look at the compass plant stem. How beautiful to see the black-capped chickadees all fluffed up and shivering to kind of stay warm and think about their winter habits. Uh, I love the chickadees, by the way. I just went out and refilled my bird feeders before the show, and I was like, they were all waiting for me in the tree. It's like, come on, come on, you know. <laughs> so it just, those prairie plants are, I mean, they're nurturing the seeds yeah. and uh, the rose hips from the prairie, all nurturing, you know, a different, a, kind of a different slice of life. And the queen bees, knowing they're under the ground, like your correspondent was just talking about, knowing you're there, it, it kind of taps into your imagination, the yeah. dragonflies and dragonfly nymphs. There's so much life going on, and, and so much of it is unseen. And, and um, just... Uh... Yeah. You, you learn about it just by being out there. I wanted to show a photo here um, before we go. Uh, I'm, and it makes me wonder if you're going to be doing this in 
the winter Mac. Uh, explain what we're looking at here. Yeah. Well, this is uh, the Wild Mile on the Chicago River. So this is right downtown Kingsbury Avenue. Um, the uh, waste management um, is right on the other side where you begin to see that that you know um, metal wall. And it's a it's a project to basically bring nature back to this incredibly dis industrial area on the Chicago River. Um, and it's a lot of science. So they're testing the water, they're counting birds, and it's all citizen, you know, citizen scientists, basically, um, not putting it together, but doing a lot of the monitoring and picking up trash in kayaks and um, and it's really quite lovely. So if this works, then it'll be, I think it's the biggest one, the first one um, mm -hmm. that's of this size, trying to look at how to renature an industrial river. Uh, uh, and and so, are, they yeah. gonna, are they gonna have you out there um, uh, in the winter? Um, we basically in the winter, people do bird counting and not much else. There's a couple of volunteers who do water monitoring. So they're checking the water um, through the course of the whole year. Um, but in winter, yeah, nobody nobody gets into kayaks because I think there's a concern that if you tip in, it'll be too too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, because um, uh, and you pick up trash during the uh, the year in, in, in addition to doing your observations there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a bizarre thing to say perhaps, but it's an, an enormous amount of fun to go pick up trash on the Chicago river in a kayak. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do, you know, and being in the Chicago river on a kayak gives you again, it's like, it's like looking for dragon and damselflies. It gives you a different perspective. You're much quieter because you don't have the walk in, you know, you're just, so I can let the current take me and go up within feet of a night heron. And it's, it's, it's just too, so still I can, I've seen muskrats, I've seen herons, night herons, um, you know, the biggest, uh, the, the, great the biggest blue. raccoon I've ever seen. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 And these are photos that you've taken, uh, while, uh, uh, and where where was this taken? This was taken in Skokie Lagoons. Okay. Um, so this was a heron in Skokie Lagoons, and again, it was it was on a kayak, so I was able to just sort of drift and take various pictures on my iPhone. Yep. And cormorant. A cormorant. Yeah. So I'm not a birder. So my my description of my identification of birds is quite often it, it was brown and it was large. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I'm uh, learning. I'm at such the beginning of the, all of the learning curves. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are we are flat out of time, and all. Oh, and one more thing, we have comments uh, from Domenico, and this is cool. I didn't know this. He says the jaws of the dragonfly nymph was the model for the mouth parts in Alien, the movie Alien. Really? How cool oh, is that? that is that is really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Uh, so uh, thank you, Domenico. Uh, we need pop culture in here, too, as well. Um, well, you know what? I think we're going to do this again, and I think we need to do it again uh, with both of you. Um, this has just been so much fun. Uh, to talk, And we barely scratched the surface. And uh, Peggy's, yep, you, Peggy's got uh, chasing dragonflies up there. I'm going to hold 
uh, the tall grass prairie. Uh, I just bought both of those. Thank you, Cindy. I can't wait to get them. They will make great gifts for your uh, uh, ecology-minded yeah. friends for the holidays. So uh, a tall grass yeah, conversation. I can't wait to take my great nephew out next summer and show him a dragonfly or a damselfly and explain that when it's a baby in the water and he can't see it, it's moving around by shooting water out his butt. <laughs> I'm going to turn him into a naturalist just with that. I'm so excited. There we go. <laughs> was, was, was that imitating the nymph, Mike? Yeah, this is a nymph. This is my imitation. <laughs> and that's what it's... That's the actual sound of the nymph uh, shooting water <laughs> out of its butt. All right. Um, well, I just put the link up to order uh, Cindy's books off of cindycrosby.com. All right. Fantastic. All right. We need to get to uh, It's a Wonderful Slice of It's a Wonderful Life. Cindy Crosby. Uh, by the way, go to cindycrosby.com and Mac Austin. Um, you, uh, we will see you uh, happy trails in, in all of uh, your uh, observing. Uh, yes, oh, oh, Peggy? Hmm? No? Okay. Somebody said, oh, oh. All right. One Never me. mind. All right. Um, so uh, thanks, both of you. All right. When, when, when we come back, Thank you. it is the uh, annual version. We're going to launch right into it. Uh, yeah, oh, wait. Yes. Where's mine? Where's my bell? Here we are. So uh, watch. It's a wonderful slice. And when we come out, at, well, when we get out of it, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's going on. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we shall return. A big hello. From all of us here at Bartlett Tree Experts. Whether we're up in the trees, on the ground, in the office, or in the lab, we really do love our work. We feel so lucky to share our passion for trees with you. And we want to say... Thank you for choosing us as your tree service. We look forward to working with you. Season's greetings. Feliz Navidad. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. And, and Happy New Year. You guys on the fence about the COVID vaccines? I mean, they made it so quick. I get it. It's an important decision. It may help to know that these vaccines were the most tested in history. Yeah, but don't the shots give you COVID-19? No, none of the vaccines contain the live virus, and it's impossible to get it from the vaccine. And the side effects? Some people have a strong reaction, but the symptoms are less severe than actually getting COVID-19. Ask questions. Get the facts. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup-son of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music, porches, lawn serene. Give me all that I can take. Well, here we are, folks. Uh, as I said earlier, this show today goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. 
and welcome to the ridiculous um and all the careers that i'm trashing here right in front of you look at all these wonderful people who trusted me to uh you know oh you silly people yeah really <laughs> um and i'm so glad to have you guys here for the latest installment of it's a wonderful slice of it's a wonderful life um, I don't know where they are on your screen. No, it'll all be in the same place, won't it? Uh, but I don't know what it looks like to you, uh, Peggy, because you're controlling this. You're recording this, so I don't have to. So if, if, it's, if it hangs true for how it's recording on my computer, Ron's right in the middle. Oh, oh he's, he's all right. He's the secret <laughs> square. He's the Brady Bunch in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and I don't know where she is on, on your screen, Peggy, but uh, and mine, Veronica Hinky is up in the l upper left-hand corner. Oh, it's the other. Okay. Well, wherever she is, you can see her name. Uh, and Veronica, um, one of the reasons Veronica is here is that we saw an article in the Chicago Tribune very recently about It's a Wonderful Life, and it turns out you're a huge huge fan now veronica works at medewin national Tallgrass prairie and she guides us through getting guests on our show uh you know but she works for the usda and i hope they never find out about this um and uh, uh authority on the titanic uh but you have been a big fan of the movie for a long time eh yes since i was a kid and we decorated a It's a Wonderful Life tree in memory of my dad the year that he passed away. And we had a, a tree in a hospice fundraiser program, Festival of Trees. And then we always decorated a It's a Wonderful Life tree. And we, we have so many wonderful uh, traditions surrounded around this movie. Well, you're a newbie here and we welcome you. And I'm looking forward to uh, the roles you'll be playing. She's playing a number of roles. Uh, including Violet and uh, Janie um, and some other, you know, there's various people who pop up and have various uh, important lines. Uh, and so uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, on my screen, on the other side is Melinda Myers, whose uh, career I trashed last year. Yes, so. Exactly. Why not? Ruin it another year. Welcome yeah, back. Really. Yeah. <laughs> The Garden Writers Association, and they don't call it that anymore, Garden <laughs> Com, they're going to take away that award they gave to you the other year. Uh, when, uh, possibly, possibly. Um, as I said, I, I act best when I play myself, but I'm going to stretch the limits tonight for you guys. <laughs> I, but I love the outfit. It's very godlike since you were going to hey. be playing God. And the I reason figured I got to be among the stars in heaven. <laughs> well, the reason Melinda is playing God is because she is God. Okay. And, <laughs> um, and she is a, a nationally renowned uh, garden communicator, uh, author, radio, TV speaker, um, wonderful website. You can find out anything you need to know. Melinda Myers, M Y E R S, as it's spelled, uh, dot com. Uh, so uh, welcome back, and, and it's glad, and we're, we're happy to have you back. It's good to have you here. Um, on my screen below her is uh, Saint Joseph Tommy Burt, but that's actually Lisa Albrecht, who has been uh, off and on a part of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki for a long time, um, and you actually got to play in a couple of these uh, way back in the distant past. I have, yeah. So I think this might be my third try. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, different characters this year. So 
Yep. Yep. And that's what we do. We like to mix it up. So everybody's having a good time. Um, and, but you, you gave it away. You put your characters up there. So, uh, that's okay. It's fine. It's, no, it doesn't matter really. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, Lisa, of course, uh, has her own company, Albright Solar. And, um, you're now working with the guy in the, in this uh, secret square there. Um, Ron Calgill from mighty house home improvement show, uh, because he's doing a solar installation right now. And you guys have been collaborating. Yeah, so I'm navigating the really boring stuff, all the incentives, all the paperwork. Anything that requires a signature, I'm taking care of. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Ron's doing the actual work. I get to do the fun part. I get to, <laughs> I get to install them. So that's, that's the fun part of actually working with the tools, you know. And, well, and, and Ron's been running from the gate. Today he ran from the the installation to to do this with us so thank you ron I, I appreciate that and of course where can people find mighty house home improvement show mightyhouse.net and you get everything right there uh and and we did mention melinda myers.com uh lisa how, how can they get to uh, albright solar uh albright dot solar ah albright. i'm fancy yeah you and got the it's A-L-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. So all bright dot solar. Don't put okay. a dot com on that. Just go dot solar. All right. And solar is the future in <laughs> Illinois now that you got the, the right law finally passed here. So that's probably one of the reasons. And you're out there, Ron, because the weather is so nice too, aren't you? Yep. Yep. No, And the parts finally showed up. So it was a combination of things there. So the parts finally <laughs> showed up. It got warm. We said, let's get it, lock this thing out and get it done. Get it done. So that's yep. what we did. Absolutely. All right. And uh, finally, uh, and my screen down at the bottom, Mr. Skeet to you. Uh, and that is our buddy Skeet from Bartlett Tree Experts. Of course, you can go to Bartlett.com and they are a wonderful sponsor of our show and we couldn't be prouder to have them as a sponsor. And uh, did you climb down uh, from, a, no, you don't do much climbing in trees anymore, do not, you Skeet? Not anymore. Yes. <laughs> is yes. that a good thing? That, that is a very good thing. And, uh, <laughs> yes, we have some wonderful crews that are out there uh, making it happen. Very, very proud of, of the safety and the, and the work that they do. Um, but, and you don't have any bugs with you. Uh, your critter carnival is nowhere in sight, uh, uh, is, it? is it? I am totally bug-free. And uh, <laughs> I, just holding on to that old reputation at the end of this, yes. <laughs> you should have seen it when he brought uh was it bagworms it was bagworms bagworms races yeah he we he, he brought bagworms back where we were at the wcgo radio uh and put them right on the 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 counter in front of us and they were alive and yes. th they're just nasty they're they're yes. really kind of creepy and <laughs> gross and they were fun and and uh got peggy's attention real quick yeah and then got mine too i gotta tell you he brought some dead bugs another time so yeah, yeah he, he had a bunch of Japanese beetles that he just poured out on a white piece of paper that where he had scrawled Japanese beetle, and those were all dead, uh, fortunately. Yes. Uh, so yeah. this is what Skeet does when he visits our show. He's often uh, explaining the kinds of uh, critters that are going to cause problems for your trees. Fun. Um, and, of course, the effervescent Peggy Malecki, uh, who's uh, wearing her mary pearls i love that so 
here we are. We're all assembled for the annual ritual um, of It's a Wonderful Slice of It's a Wonderful Life. Has everybody got their scripts? Are you, are you ready to, uh, to, uh, to massacre this piece? I just need to do my makeup change. Oh, <laughs> that is just so funny that now how come they're not darker? I, you know, it's, it's, I, I was, I made it gray. You... you want me to go dark? Go dark. Oops. Whoop. Flip. Not that dark. All right. I'll be there. There we, ah, oh. <laughs> I think gray looks a little bit more saintly. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, it yeah, does. Now you look at that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda look. Yeah. So if you want to go with the gray, you can go with that. That's fine with me. If you want to pop it back, it was just kind of hard to, to read there with the black and white photo uh, behind you. Uh, and everybody, as you can see, has got their uh, holiday backgrounds. Um, and I hope you're all doing this. Welcome uh, to Bedford Falls. Exactly. There we go. And uh, when you're in your Zoom meetings, please have as much Bedford Falls in the background as possible. Last yes, year, I forgot to change mine for a meeting. <laughs> Oops. Hey, well, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do it. All right, folks. For the um, year uh, on, uh, on uh, stage screen, uh, radio, and the inner tubes, it's a wonderful slice of it's a wonderful life. Da 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 da. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? A lot of people are asking for help for a man named George Bailey. Joseph, send for Clarence. Dee 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 dee. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on Earth needs our help, sir. If I should accomplish this mission, might I perhaps win my wings? Clarence, you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. See the town? Hey, who's that? That's your problem, George Bailey. That's him when he was 12. Help, George, help. Hang on, Harry. George saved his brother's life that day. Mr. Potter, who's that? That's Henry F. Potter, the richest and meanest man in the county. Mr. Potter, what gives you such a hard skull character? You can't begin to spend all this money you've got. Oh, I suppose I should give it to miserable failures like you and that idiot brother of yours to spend for me. He's not a failure. You're not. You're the biggest man in town. Bigger than him. Bigger than everybody. George Bailey, I will love you to the day I die. Hello, Mr. Gower. Capsules. Don't hit my sorrier again. Don't hit my sorrier again. Genuine English cowhide. Combination lock. Fitted up with brushes, combs. No, 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 no. I, I want a big one. Good afternoon, Mr. Bailey. Hello, Violet. Hey, you look good. That's some dress you got on there. Why, this old thing? I only wear it when I don't care how I look. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, my last meal at the old Bailey boarding house. 
you wouldn't consider coming back to this building and loan, would you? I want to do something big and something important. Pop, I think I'll get dressed and go over to Harry's party. Yeehaw! Uh-oh, Sam Wainwright. Well, hello. Hello. And oh, dance by the light of the moon. Ah, hot dog, just like an organ. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. George, come on home, quick. Your father's had a stroke. Now we come to the real purpose of this meeting, to appoint a successor to our dear friend, Peter Bailey. Therefore, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to dissolve this institution and turn its assets and liabilities over to the receiver. Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Sentimental hogwash. George, they voted Potter down. They've appointed George here as executive secretary to take his father's place. I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to school. This is my last chance. Uncle Billy here. He's your man. My wild Irish rose. Come on, right. Come on, right. I know, I know. He didn't go. That's right. Oh, hello, Mary. I, I just happened to be passing by. Yes, so I noticed. Well, are you coming in or aren't you? Well, I'll come in for a minute. Would you like to sit down? All right, for a minute. Would you rather leave? Now, you listen to me. I don't want any plastics, and I don't want any ground floors, and I don't want to ever get married to anyone. You understand that? I want to do what I want to do, and you're, and you're, oh, Mary, Mary. George, George, George. Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. If you close your doors before 6 p.m., you will never reopen. Three, two, one, bingo! We made it! Close the door, we made it. Look, look, we're still in business. We still have two bucks less. A toast, a toast to Mama Dollar and a Papa Dollar. And if you want to keep this old building and loan in business, you better have a family real quick. I, I own a house. Me, Mr. Giuseppe Martini, I own, I own my own house. The Bailey family's been a boil on my neck long enough. Well, I suppose I'll find out sooner or later, but what exactly did you want to see me about? The point is, I want to hire you. George, I'll start you out at $20,000 a year. The answer is no, no, doggone it. You you sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. And that goes for you, too. Now, you've probably already guessed that George never leaves Bedford Falls. No. Joseph, now show him what happened today. Ba -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da 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 
Ba 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 ba. No, wait, wait for the best part. This is where we go. Take it away, Ron. Eight thousand dollars. He's got to find that money. I'm no good to you. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? You realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Hello, darling. Hello, Hello daddy. daddy. <laughs> Must she keep playing that? Daddy, the Browns next door have a new car. You should see it. Well, what's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? Excuse me. Excuse you for what? Hello, Mrs. Welsh. Say, what kind of a teacher are you anyway? Hello, who's this? Oh, Mr. Welsh. Okay, that's fine, Mr. Welsh. Give me a chance to tell you what I really think of your wife. Daddy, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am, a dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. J.D., haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it. Stop it. Well, what's the matter with everybody? Janie, go on. I told you to practice. Now go on, play. Oh, Daddy. George, why must you torture the children? Is Daddy in trouble? Yes, yes, Pete. I'm in trouble, Mr. Potter. I've got to raise $8,000 immediately. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man? Miserable little clerk crawling here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little $500 equity in life insurance policy. <laughs> You're worth more dead than alive. But I tell you what I'm going to do for you, George. I'm going to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Misappropriation of funds. Malfeasance. Manipulation. Why are you drinking so much, my friend? Please, please go home, Mr. Bailey. This is Christmas Eve. Bailey, next time you talk to my wife like that, you'll get worse. Now, now look what you did. My, my great-grandfather planted this tree. Now come back here, you drunken fool. Uh-uh. Hey, what's the matter with you? Look where you're going. Help! Help! Well, uh, well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. AS2, uh, what's that AS2? Angel, second class. Well... Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down here for. I'm your guardian angel. Well, you look about like the kind of angel I'd get. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, no, you mustn't say that. Wait, wait a minute. Joseph, you've got your wish. You've never been born. Well, what I need is a couple of good stiff drinks. How about you, angel? You want a drink? <laughs> Where's my car? I beg your pardon? My car, my car. I'm the fellow that owns the car that ran into your tree. You must mean 
two other trees. You have me worried. One of the oldest trees in Pottersville. Pottersville? Why, you mean Bedford Falls. I mean Pottersville. Well, come on, Gabriel. Clarence! Clarence, Clarence. Uh-oh. Every time you hear a bell ring, it means that some angels just got his wings. That does it. Out, you two pixies. Go through the door or out the window. Get me. I'm giving out wings. You're crazy. That's what I think. You're screwy. You're driving me crazy, too. I'm seeing things here. I'm going home and seeing my wife and family. You understand that? And I'm going home alone. Ernie, take me home. I'm going off my nut. Where do you live? Well, now, doggone it, Ernie, don't you start pulling that stuff. You know where I live. 320 Sycamore. Now, now hurry up. All right, all right. 320 Sycamore. Bert, what's happened to this house? Where's Mary? Where's my kids? Watch him, Bert. Bert, Ernie, what's the matter with you two guys? You, you were here on my wedding night. You both of you stood out there in the porch and sung to us. Don't you remember? Mother, mother, th this is this is George. I thought sure you'd remember me. George, who? All I know is this: this should be Bailey Park, but where are the houses? Gone. Where's Harry? Dead. Where's Mary? Verge, uh, you're not gonna like it, George. Where is she? Where's Mary? Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary, it's George. Don't you know me? What's happened to us? I don't know you. Let me go. Mary, please. Oh, don't do this to me. Please, Mary, help me. Where's our kids? I need you, Mary. I am back. Help me, please. Please. I want to live again. George, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert. Or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What in Sam Hill you yelling for, George? Bert, do you know me? Hey, hey, your mouth's bleeding. Hey, are you all right? <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert. My mouth's bleeding. Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu, there they are. Bert, what do you know about that? Merry Christmas. Yay! Hello, Bedford Falls. Merry Christmas, movie house. Merry Christmas, Emporium. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building and loan. Hey, Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. Happy New Year to you in jail. Merry Christmas, Kids, Janie, Tommy. Daddy. Zuzu, Zuzu, my little ginger snap, how do you feel? Fine, not a smidge of temperature. George! Oh, let me touch you. Are, are, are you real? You have no idea what's happened to me. Come on, George, come on downstairs. Come on in, Uncle Billy, everybody! Mary did it, George, Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble. They scoured around town and uh, collected a bunch of money for you. Harry! A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Good old acquaintance, he forgot, never brought much money. 
Zuzu says, and Zuzu says, look, daddy, teacher says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. Attaboy, Clarence. For all and there you have it thank you very much we, we we should have run a clock on that i have no idea how long that went exactly um uh, that uh, was about 32 minutes since we started the recording <laughs> okay end the recording i will <laughs> Uh, well, I want to thank all Christmas? of no, don't end it yet. I just I want to thank everybody uh, for being part of this. Thank you so much uh, for making my holiday complete. Peggy and I are taking a couple of weeks off and we want to get out of here. But um, you guys are all good sports uh, to do this, and I appreciate uh, your support of the show uh, throughout the year. And I'm sorry about your um, your careers, um, but. <laughs> So, and I hear a, a phone going off here. It's not mine. So, <laughs> but at any rate, uh, you all have a wonderful season, holiday season, and uh, we'll talk in 2022. Sounds great. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, Happy everybody. Happy holidays. And there we have it. Um, <laughs> uh, there was some really fun stuff in there um, that I didn't, I didn't see when we were doing it. Um, ah. And, um, uh, and then when I uh, added some sound effects and got mm -hmm. to, to watch it, it, uh, I, I think Ron falling off the chair, really, <laughs> it did really, that was, that was hilarious. And, and I loved uh, Lisa wearing the different caps, um, you know, mm -hmm. changing costume on the fly. And uh, it was just uh, everybody, it was so funny. Um, and Scott, Scott Jameson says Giuseppe Martini for best actor. Uh, there we go. So when we, we have those uh, awards, um, uh, Skeet's name <laughs> will will be in there. Um, and um, uh, oh, I see uh, Cheryl uh, Devore, who wrote the article uh, in uh, the Trib, was uh, watching us. She did an article about "It's a Wonderful Life" in the Tribune, and um, uh, Veronica Hinkie was quoted in it because it's such a, an important part of her life. So, uh, well, I'll tell you what, we need to take a really short break here. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about this a little more. And I have, we have a couple of fun things that we're going to do to uh, wrap up the uh, 2021 year uh, at the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. So we hope you, you stick around for that. Don't go anywhere. We will Don't be right back. Yet. Not more yet. Jingles That's right. Get the jingle bells out. We're a few more. We'll be right back. This is Vic from Happy Leaf. Today we're going to talk about how grow lights work. Plants need three things. They need water, they need nutrients, and they need light. The sun provides wonderful light for growing plants outdoors, 
But indoors, you need a grow light. So how do grow lights work? We know what kinds of colors plants like, so various types of grow lights are made for different types of plants. Recently, LED grow lights have made a dramatic improvement in the types of grow lights we can make. The red light allows us to make the plant grow vertical and to flower, and the blue light makes the plant bushy and strong. Happy Leaf LED grow lights have the precise red and blue to make plants grow very well. We know that plants look happy if they're green to us, but remember that they reflect green light as opposed to using soil treatments to summer foliar feeding to fall stubble digesters, Blazing Star provides microbial tools from tiny biologicals for natural and organic farmers. They have solutions for home gardeners too. And Blazing Star offers agroecological education and consulting, especially for permaculture work in zones four and five. Learn more about these great folks at blazing-star.com. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Um, we're getting some comments on uh, on the show. Um, Scott Jameson writes, the famous Charleston dance pool scene was was filmed at Beverly Hills High School. I did not know that. Um, oh, now, I, now that's not, that's not a, that's in California, Beverly Hills, I would assume. Okay. But but that is such an interesting idea that they had the pool below the dance floor. I don't, I can't imagine below the it, gym floor. Below, yeah, can't imagine that being done nowadays. Um, uh, Kathleen walked down that said she was choking up a little bit. Um, it, it's it was you probably swallowed your coffee the wrong way. Is, yep. is what? No, <laughs> she she said she got a little teary eyed watching that. I know that's the power of that that goofy movie is that even when you 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 make fun of it and you do the parody, if if you do it well enough, and and I have to give kudos to uh to our cast. I think this was the best job ever that uh, you know throwing the script at people, and 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 we actually had some. Uh, behind the scenes snafus, I sent out the email with the script to everybody the day before. Uh, and since most people have like four or five lines, it's, it's not usually a, a big deal. Well, guess what? A couple of people didn't even get it. Um, 
and Diana says she got teary-eyed too. So that's it. I'm telling you, this this is a strange little movie um, that uh, causes people to do that because it's in some ways it's really dark. What a really a, a dark dark film. And the more you read about it, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. But 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 I threw the scripts at people the day before, and some people didn't get them. Poor Skeet. He comes in. I said, "You guys all got your scripts?" He said, "What script?" And so I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and we, we emailed it to him and he was printing it. And then he did this incredible job just picking it up on the fly. Mm -hmm. We did only Great one job. take. Yeah, there yeah. was only one take. I'm not going to make these people do it more than once. Are you kidding me? This was brand new to Veronica. Great job. Yeah, Veronica hadn't seen it before. Um, well, she and, saw the script. She just hadn't done the, the uh, right, right. airplay. But uh so um, the fact that they were all able to do it on the first take and do such a great job. And I loved your hat, the the <laughs> the uh, Mary as Virgin hat that you wore, uh, actually as librarian. Um, and, glasses uh, and all. Glasses. I know. It was great. And, and like I said, I really thought it was fun that uh and lisa, lisa, lisa with her uh, with the with the with beard the and then she, she's got the cap one way and then she flips it around yeah. the other way i mean uh thank you all and melinda a, sparkling in the whole time what a what a sparkly yeah uh that's true god god in the sparklies um she uh, had a very godlike uh costume on so there you go uh so well, i'm gonna make sure that we get that 30 minute segment on YouTube for folks uh, who want to watch um, the uh, wonderful slice. And I hope uh, folks uh, will, will, will share that. Um, so here we are at the end of the year. And uh, I wanted to play a couple of things that uh, are kind of fun. Uh, and then you and I, when uh, I'm going to play this, and we got a lot of folks uh, watching, by the way, and commenting. So I'm glad that folks are are, are watching the show today. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Me, um, let's get here. This is, here we are. All right. I saw this. I came across this quite by accident. Um, and it's sort of uh, news of the day in a Star Trek way. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> you know, I love my, my mashups. Uh, from from Star Trek. So let's let's make sure I got the audio up on this. Um, and this is only a minute. So uh, no, it's not even that. It's thirty seconds. This is uh, thirty seconds. Omicron. 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 Wow. They say that word a lot. Where did you get that? <laughs> that, I, I, again, somebody who's been piecing these things together. Um, uh. Uh, I, I just, I, I was on uh, YouTube looking for something else and it popped up because obviously I have in the past researched mm -hmm. Star Trek. And, and so oh, it shows up in, in, in the feed. Yeah. The, the algorithm has me uh, nailed. All right. They know what I'm, I'm, I'm looking for. Um, so, 
There we go. And that just reminds me, folks, get vaccinated. I mean, we're we're in the Omicron, Omicron uh, phase of uh, this pandemic, uh, which never seems like it will never end. Um, yikes. Um, and something that uh, you called to my attention the other day uh, was uh, in Bloomberg. Uh, I don't know if you have that story or if you yeah. can, you can yes, call I, what? And I have I, it up here. Yep. 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 And uh, yep. Yep. Nope. 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 Um, the headline is the world is so desperate for manure. Even human waste is a hot commodity. Uh unbelievable talking about uh omicron omicron and uh the pandemic the market for manure from pigs horses cattle and even humans has never been so hot thanks to a global shortage of chemical fertilizers just ask andrew whitelaw a grains analyst at thomas elder markets based in melbourne australia who runs a commercial pig farm in his spare time, Whitelaw said that he's completely sold clean of animal waste as farmers hunt for alternatives to the more commonly used phosphate and nitrogen-based fertilizers that are vital to boosting crop yields. So fertilizer shortage means there's a manure shortage. And I'm kind of wondering if any of our viewers here have experienced that um and they're and they're saying uh they're saying it may be sometime before the interest in pig poop tapers um prices of synthetic fertilizer which rely on natural gas and coal as raw materials and yes you should know um ammonium nitrate is uh energy intensive it's a very energy intensive process um anyway those prices have soared amid an energy shortage and export restrictions by Russia and China. That's adding to challenges for agricultural supply chains at a time when global food costs are near a record high and farmers scramble for fertilizers to prevent losses to global crop yields for staples. Yikes. Um, I, I must give credit to I first heard it on NPR Marketplace, and as Kai Rizdahl said, we couldn't make this up. Yep. Um it's a, a poop shortage. Go figure. So uh, that that was uh, an interesting headline. Um, we had a couple of, oh, uh, and uh, I, there, there was an article recently in National Geographic about mistletoe and how um, it is, people don't realize that it's a parasite, um, which is part of the reason it stays green because it's it's feeding off of trees it's you know sucking the nutrients out of trees so that even in the winter when uh, some plants go dormant um, you can still get green mistletoe um, yeah Dan Costa says he's already heard from wholesale suppliers about a fertilizer shortage coming oh really okay see I thought some of our folks might have, uh, encountered that so uh, or as he says give fertilizer for Christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah can you imagine that put your your stocking um, I actually have some samples 
in the garage of uh, little little bags like about this big of malorganite. Malorganite. Yep. Which <laughs> about uh, some compost tea? Um, yeah, you know all of all of that stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I think of that as a stocking stuffer. Oh, you got me malorganite. Great, thank you so much. Or any other fertilizer. Uh, I'm going to my file here. There we are. Um, and we mentioned. Uh, Um, the uh, the Bell Bull Prairie at the top of the show. If you missed that, that uh, um, it looks like uh, the uh, legal battle is going to continue. Um, uh, I'll, I accidentally closed the window. I'll put the link up. Um, Patty Wetley on WTTW. Um, reported Friday, as we right. talked about. First hour, Rockford Airport sues to dismiss the lawsuit halting the destruction of Bell Bowl Prairie. Um, the Greater Rockford Airport Authority filed a motion in U.S. District Court to dismiss a lawsuit blocking the airport's planned expansion of its cargo operations, which would destroy a rare five-acre high-quality remnant prairie in process. Uh, a lawsuit filed in late October by the Natural Land Institute, the longtime stewards of Bell Bowl, earned the Prairie an 11th hour reprieve from bulldozers, which had been set to roll November 1st. The airport agreed to a temporary pause set to expire March 1st. Now, here's why. In its newly filed motion, the airport authority, along with the airport's board of commissioners and executive director, Michael Dunn, argued that the Natural Land Institute, longtime stewards of Bell Bowl Prairie, Prairie had no standings to sue in the first place. The airport says it, quote, it is not a public park or otherwise accessible to the public. As such, quote, Natural Land Institute has no right to be on the property and thus can claim no injury resulting from the development of the land. Okay. Now, so we're Gary Lee, executive director of the Natural Land Institute, said the legal maneuvers assigned the airport authorities digging in but, quote, we were expecting they were going to file this motion to dismiss, so we're ready, Lee said. We have more tools in our toolbox. And we will continue to cover that. Now, that's something that we're going to, uh, when we get to the new year, obviously be talking to folks about that and, and see where that goes. Meanwhile, there you can contribute to the fund. I saw... Uh, let's see if I've got Sorry, that. I got to fix that link. I just put up copy and paste didn't work. Okay. Well, if, and when you get a chance, I'm hoping you can, um, uh, we saw the post, let me go to Bell Bowl Prairie on Facebook. Cause that's where, um, and I had that up and I don't right now. Hold on a second. There we go. Save Bell Bowl Prairie. Right. Yeah. There's a GoFundMe. Right. There's also That's, a there's also the latest Bell Bowl Prairie action alert to let Governor Pritzker, Senators Durbin and Duckworth, Duckworth, um, several of the state reps that you want the Rockford Airport to use recently awarded state funds to redesign part of their expansion to avoid destroying Bell Bowl Prairie. So there's a petition and a GoFundMe. Right. Um, and uh, that would be. If you're, if you're, uh, you know, the last couple of several weeks, we have had uh, talked about different places where you can do end of year giving, uh, give back, uh, and one thing would be the GoFundMe. Uh, 
for Bell Bull Prairie because legal fees are not cheap. Um, and I noticed that uh, if you go to the, the GoFundMe page, they're trying to get $50,000. They're at 7800 So now would be uh, a good time to, uh, if, you've, if you've got a few spare bucks uh, and you're interested in our natural world, there's a lot worse places to, to give your money. So um, I'm hoping some folks will do that. Uh, and uh, I would also suggest you go back to some of, go to the blog post, go to MikeNovak.net and some of those uh, posts that uh, we had up um, the, in the other weeks. There's, we've got some lists of, of really good, worthy causes uh, where you can make contributions. Uh, c- you can continue to help the the victims of the tornadoes. Uh, in yeah, that uh, need's not going to go away anytime soon. No, no. Uh, it's just amazing uh, seeing the videos and watching people uh, pick up uh, afterward, and you know they got right work, right to work, and uh, and so that's certainly a good cause there. Um, uh, there's a, I saw a, uh, there's a, uh, an article that was in Lifehacker, how to prepare for a solar flare hitting earth because it's probably going to happen. There we go. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I know it. Um, short of destroying the sun, they say. There's nothing humans can do to prevent solar flares, but you can still know, know what to expect and prepare accordingly. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, the, uh, uh, the, it, for folks who don't know, the largest solar geomagnetic storm ever recorded, uh, and it, it hit Earth in 1859. They called it, it's been called the Carrington Event. Uh, it lit up the sky so brightly that people thought dawn had come. The northern lights were visible as far south as Cuba. Wow. Yeah. And the nascent telegraph system went down with telegraph operators reporting being shocked by their machines. I heard that some of them just broke into flame. Um, or being the machines a- or the operators? Uh, <laughs> maybe the operators. <laughs> Good one. Um, oh, wait. Um, Can you imagine what that would do to um, the Internet? We complain now when Instagram's out yeah, for 10 hours. I know. I know. And what they're saying, uh, it ultimately wasn't disastrous in 1859, but in 2021, when everything relies on power and data, a massive outage and loss of Internet, and it says here, undersea data cables are particularly vulnerable Hmm. um, would throw the world into considerable chaos. The power grid would likely go down as long distance power lines would be overwhelmed with electrical currents leading to transformers exploding. uh, GPS systems would be useless as satellites would be shorted out. Planes might crash into one another as they're essentially flying blind. The internet could be down for months 
and estimated financial losses would likely be in the trillions. I mean, and that's the well, other thing. Yeah, is that it you would, can't do anything without the internet these days. It would upset. You can't get gas for your car. Right. Nothing. So um, the, the good news is that they do, solar flares don't hurt humans. And even Except the, for the operators sitting there. Right. At, at a tele, it, so don't do your telegraph, all right? Don't be clicking the telegraph uh, instrument while you're doing that. Um, and, and they actually say in the article that damage to the infrastructure can be mitigated. There are at least 27 separate federal programs aimed at preventing a worst-case scenario. And private companies are developing and employing technology to counter massive power surges. So, and, you know, we would, we would have a little bit of time. I don't know exactly how long it takes, you know, if we saw a power surge. And, you know, you got satellites out there. We, uh, I, another thing I read the other day, one of our satellites got within 4 million, 5 million miles of the sun, which is insane. You know, was it just was it off on walkabout or what? No, it's 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 studying the sun and they, oh, they've it's got studying. it okay. and, and it's going to get like four. It's going to mm. loop back oh. out and come back and get within four million miles of the sun. That's oh. no no uh, instrument has ever done that before and survived. So uh, that's very cool. All right, one more thing before we go. This is uh, uh, something that uh, this is by request. Peggy requested it, uh, and I love it. You know, you know the holiday is really here when this pops up on somebody's Facebook post. Um, I'm going to get flagged. Uh, I don't on YouTube. I don't YouTube's care. YouTube's going to just go. Whoop. Uh, Facebook okay. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope they don't. But uh, let's let's hope they don't take uh, everything down. If they do, I'll uh, edit and repost. But uh, this is uh, as my holiday treat to everyone. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where those streets up listen
I hear those jingle bells. I want to thank everybody on the show today. Cindy Crosby, Hillary Mac Austin, sometimes known as Mac Austin, uh, Melinda Myers, Ron Kyle Gill, Veronica Hinky, Lisa Albrecht, Skeet. I want to thank Kathleen. want to thank Lagata the cat, Basil the dog, um, and everybody who watched today, thank you for uh, being with us and thank you for supporting the show in 2021. Um, get yourself vaccinated. Until next time, go green or... January 9th. Go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>